Jeremy, what can I help you with? A couple of things. I'm having a really hard time talking about myself mm. um, and explaining what I do and um, figuring out how much to share mm. of myself that, you know, doesn't overwhelm people and make them think, what, why do I need to know this? Like, for example, my Instagram bio needs help. I, I have like an about me page that I'm working on for a landing page that will eventually go up. Not a landing page, but a sales page that will eventually go up. Mm -hmm. And I'm just not comfortable with the way it, it sounds. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Cutting Chai Stories. Write copy that feels good. It's the no-fluff copywriting podcast that teaches you to write copy you can feel good about and gets you more clients along the way. I'm your host, Jayati Bora, and I'm here to give you a shot of masala for your writing, a way for business owners like you to write copy your way, in your voice, with practical writing tips you can put into action right away. Let's find your words together. Today, we're going to listen in on a coaching call I had with Judy Pavone. Judy helps young children and their grown-ups find joy in books and in life through engaging guided reading and fun curated book lists. She came to me with questions about how to introduce herself and describe what she does. And one of the places that she was struggling to talk about herself was her About Me page. In this call, we focused on how to engage readers' attention with the very first lines of her bio. Let's listen in. I don't know if I can share my screen with you at all. I'm going to try. Forgive my desktop. It's a mess. That's okay. So is mine. Oh, I have so many things open there. So I definitely want to, um, I want to get better photos of myself. But um, this is the about me part. Mm -hmm. And I'm just not crazy about the way that it reads. So I wanted your opinion. Can you see that with the photo of me with the book sitting? Yeah. The, sitting down. Okay, great. Yeah, I can see that. I like the photos actually, because I like that they're yeah. active and you know, you're doing something not just looking at the camera. Thank you. So tell me what you don't like about it. It just feels really dry. Mm. Um, it doesn't have a, a, like, I would love there to be a first line or two that really draws people in. Uh -huh. And it doesn't. It just says, I'm obsessed with children's literature, not only because there are so many beautifully written stories, but also because I have seen firsthand what reading these stories does to a child. Mm. That's part of it, mm -hmm. for sure. But I'm not, I, I'm not comfortable with the way it starts. Mm. It doesn't say enough about me, I don't think. So when did you know that you were obsessed with children's literature? Oh, well, way back, I'm going to be 53 tomorrow, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thank you. And so this was way back in my late 20s. I was, uh, or mid-20s, really, I was putting myself through graduate school by working as an assistant manager in the children's department of Barnes & Noble. Okay. 
first of all, I, I loved to read as a child, Mm -hmm. but then as a, a teacher and being exposed to so much of that literature, Mm -hmm. I probably spent more money than I actually earned there. (laughs) I had a wonderful manager who used to tell us in any, whenever you have any spare time, I want you to read. Mm -hmm. And so I just took in every bit that I could. And when I got my dream job, I was really adept, I thought, at finding the right literature for the right lesson and it really being engaging to the children. So those are my strengths. Are there any particular books that you recall? Like what what draws you about children's literature specifically as opposed to like just literature? Well, I'm a particular fan of picture books Mm -hmm. because they can be from... um, emergent for appropriate for emergent readers Mm -hmm. they can go all the way up to upper elementary school Mm -hmm. level um and by the way i'm in my degree is in elementary ed but i am also a reading specialist Mm -hmm. so none of that is in my about me page either um, because this is directed at what my business is but anyway i'm not a fan of of audiobooks for kids because i love the tactile nature of them i love the bright colors that are generally in the illustrations mm-hmm. i love that a good book exposes to kids exposes kids to vocabulary and concepts that they may not be aware of but it does it in a way that's usually contextual can you give me an example of a time where you um, you know, we're reading a child a book and you could see it in their eyes or you could, you know, feel like they were getting it. Yeah, this is not the only example, but one that came to mind. It, I don't think they do this anymore, but when I was in the classroom, we were t- teaching about Columbus Day. Mm-hmm. And I ha- had a book, a really engaging picture book and the globe. And it was describing... Um, his travels Mm -hmm. from, uh, you know, across the ocean and what he found when he got, when he landed in the Americas. And at one point, one of the kids that was sitting up front looked at me and said, oh, I wish I could have been there. (laughs) And, you know, it's moments like that, that I really live for. And makes me feel that they're really connected to liter- the literature I've chosen. Well, what if you started your About Me section with that story? Mm. Okay. Like, let's do it right now. Can you open a, a new Google Doc that I can see? Okay, paint a picture, set the scene for this Columbus Day reading. I'm not sure I want to talk about Columbus Day. <laughs> But um, what's the resistance? I can hear it and I can yeah, see it your face. You're, yeah, you don't want to do yeah. it. I'm not sure how to start describing it. Do I start with how it made me feel or do I describe the actual setting? It's up to you. Imagine you are illustrating this for a children's book. What, what would the scene be? Oh, what would you draw on the page? Um describe that okay I'm sitting in a a chair with a beautifully a beautiful 
colorful, bright, comfy cushion. So I'm comfortable. I'm in a comfortable position. Mm-hmm. I have um, the book open in my hand. I'm really good at reading to the side and I have a globe. We are not only reading about the adventure, but we're talking about it. Same time we're engaging in conversation. No, okay. So don't, don't tell me like type, write it down. Oh, <laughs> you don't think it was going to be that easy did you <laughs> i'm going to make you do some work here <laughs> um okay judy took a few minutes to type out the story that's the setting okay then what happens um she kept going and i kept reading what she was writing from time to time i'd stop her to ask some questions that's not what you told me though. You typed, gosh, I wish I could have been there. But you told me, I wish I could be there. When you were telling me the story, you changed yes. the tense and you made it more complicated when you wrote okay. it. Okay, there we go. All right, now I want you to navigate back to the thing that you showed me first. Now okay. I want you to read the first two sentences. I'm obsessed with children's literature, not only because there are so many beautifully written stories, but also because I have seen firsthand what reading these stories does to a child. Okay, now go to the new document and read aloud what you've written. Imagine this scene. I'm sitting in front of an eager and curious group of first graders, eyes wide open and ready to see what book I've chosen to share today is a picture book brightly colored in details about a famous explorer. To my left is a large globe. I begin reading aloud with as much intonation and emphasis on the adventure as I can muster. The children are transfixed as I point to locations on the globe, tracing the explorer's journey with my finger. A sweet whisper interrupts my reading to exclaim, gosh, I wish I could be there. So what do you think? What's... Big difference. Big difference. What's the difference? Obviously. What's the difference? Instead of just saying that I, that their reaction is what excites me, Uh I'm I'm actually giving an example Uh of why. Yeah. This is what, this is what, you know, we call show versus tell, right? In the first example, in the first version, you were just telling. And yes, it was a bit dry and there were a lot of big words and there was, I think, passive tense, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's active tense. You are writing from I, so we are identifying with you. We are catching, even before you sit, describe it, your first sentence is masterful, right? Judy, you, Judy, you started with, imagine this scene. You are giving us an instruction. You are telling our brains, sit up and pay attention. I'm going to make you do some work here, right? You're prepping us to get into this. So now we're ready to imagine it. And now, and we're identifying with you because I'm sitting in front of, right? So this is where we are. We are not with a group of first graders. You, You have eager and curious first graders, eyes wide open. I think the eyes wide open communicates Maybe that they're eager and curious. Okay, redundant. You know? Yeah, uh, again, another example of show not tell, right? When you're, you're showing us that they're eager and curious because their eyes are wide open. Maybe there's pin drop silence. Maybe they're not like shuffling around because 
the entire focus is on this colorful book in your hand. We went back and forth some more on specific edits to the language, and then we played with the order of information a little bit. Just to have fun with it a little bit, you could also begin with the ending. Oh. So you could start it with, gosh, I wish I could be there. Mm-hmm. And then sort of, you know, come back to say that I'm sitting in a first grade classroom and, you know, these kids are hanging on to my every word and whatever it is. And then anyway, this is also very nice. I'm just giving you another option. Oh, no, I like it. I like yeah. it. Okay. Would I leave in then imagine this scene? No. Then you, to change would, it? you would have to lose it. Yeah. So you, you would have to decide which one you prefer. Okay. And you can write it out both ways and, you know, and then see. And then from there, then you would have to connect this with the rest of what you were saying about what you love about children's literature. And that's a very easy, like in this version where you start with imagine and you end with the quote, you could go right on to say something like this moment right there or that moment right there. That's the reason that I love or that I do this work that I do. Well, we spent our entire time doing this, but I think it was that's okay. Crucial. It was really helpful. It so, was worth it. There was more back and forth on the nitty gritties, and we sharpened those first few lines and mixed it up with a few more suggestions on pacing and focus. But I wanted to share this clip because I know that this is a challenge not just for Judy, but for many of you. It's hard to talk about what we do, to know what the appropriate amount of information to give is, and to want the finished product to look and sound a certain way, but be unsure whether it's reaching the mark. If you're in that place and you're not signed up for coaching with me, well, why aren't you? Get in touch and let's see if we can work together. But if you want to try this approach on yourself, here's my advice. Number one, start with a story. Stories captivate our attention. When we listen to an engaging story, we stop daydreaming and thinking about our grocery shopping. And instead, we are transported to that moment in time that the story is happening. So start with a story. Number two, set the scene. Imagine you're an illustrator for a children's book or the videographer of a film. What are you pointing your camera at? What do you draw on the page? Tell us. Number three, try to show, not tell. Telling is important too, but from what I see, most people do way too much of telling and not enough showing. Give us an example. Number four, edit Edit, edit. What you wrote down is just the first draft. Now it's time to make it better. And number five. Try to play with the order of your sentences or words or the order in which you're presenting information. What would happen if you started at the end? I hope that clip was helpful. Before you go, I wanted to tell you about Unboy Yourself too. It's a workshop I'm holding on Friday, October 28th, and it's going to be awesome. It's about storytelling and how to use storytelling in your marketing. We're going to first have a masterclass on how to tell a story, all the elements you need for an engaging story, how to turn a boring story interesting, and most importantly, how to use it in your marketing. Stories are the best way to supercharge your marketing. You just saw that in action on Judy's About page. 
But most of us aren't using stories in our marketing, or we're using stories that aren't relevant, or our stories are simply boring. So in Unbore Yourself 2, we're going to cover three strategies to link unrelated stories to your marketing. And best of all, just like in the call with Judy, we're going to do some actual writing during the three-hour workshop. So you'll leave with some content that you can start to put out there. It's three hours, it's on Zoom, from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Friday, October 28th. I'm going to put the link in the show notes. I look forward to seeing you there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until I see you again next Thursday for our final episode of Season 4. Paint a picture.